Microsoft 365 is here, Lockhart is a question, and don't buy a router. Welcome back to the Gulag, everybody. It is the end of some month. It is a Friday, and um, dates just don't really matter anymore. So here we go. Uh, hopefully everybody's happy, healthy, doing the quarantine thing or whatever it is that you are doing and we are back with another friday episode wrapping it all up answering your questions and doing just a whole bunch of other good stuff and so uh this week microsoft 365 officially became official and officially got rebranded uh office 365 for the consumer there's gonna i strongly think that there's gonna be some sort of crossover confusion of people not knowing what the difference between the two are and microsoft has a lot of work ahead of them because they have been pounding into the sand for a very long time that office 365 was the most amazing thing ever and now they're saying the Microsoft 365 is the most amazing thing ever. This is just a marketing thing. It's not that big of an issue. It's just going to take some time. Although, like any good Microsoft launch, there's quite a bit of confusion because Microsoft talked a whole bunch about different features that aren't really here. So they they just said, hey, on April uh, 21st, we're going to launch Microsoft 365. That day came and went. Great things got rebranded. But then all the features, primarily Teams for Consumer, uh, is not here. All of the parental control stuff that they talked about, the Microsoft Family stuff, is not here. And so really, this is kind of just like a, a very surface level, like delete Office, put in Microsoft 365, and then we'll start building on top of that. And so uh, that is now here. If you open up any Office application, you're going to get a giant splash screen that says Office 365 is now Microsoft. Microsoft 365 and you get more for your money it's a it's a good marketing push whatever the interesting thing at least to me about this is that the Skype icon is not there now if you go to Microsoft 365 the link it will show you the Skype icon but it sticks out like a sore thumb it does not style it is not it just doesn't fit into the family Microsoft again is not committing that saying hey Skype is going to go away in favor of teams I think we all can kind of agree that is going to happen. While Microsoft will tell us that things are happening with Skype and that it's growing and everything else, I really deep down into my soul and into my heart and all the way down to the shoes uh, that I'm wearing right now, um, firmly believe that Skype will go away at some point in the future. Don't know the exact date, don't know exactly when, but that transition has got to occur because that is the direction Microsoft is pushing. And it, there's a lot of other signs that point to that. With one exception, Microsoft did roll out an updated feature this week called, uh, well, custom backgrounds for Skype. Now, obviously, that is a feature already in Teams and they're bringing it over to Skype. To me, this feels like a, ba a Band-Aid fix so that they can try to keep that Skype brand alive because what they're going to try to do is get everybody using Skype over into Teams for Consumer. It's going to be a nice pathway. It's what they're going to do. That's going to be the migration plan. The writing is on the wall. Microsoft just hasn't penned the blog post to actually explicitly say that. So... There you go. If you're confused about Microsoft 365, don't be. Um, just if just kind of keep doing what you're doing. You're, I don't think you're going to notice anything too majorly different, at least not for the foreseeable future. Um, if you've been missing out on Cortana conversations, which I can't imagine too many people are, it is now rolling out to more regions around the globe. I, I don't. I, I really don't use Cortana. I've actually extremely cut down on my use of digital assistants just across the board. We still do have one of the Amazon devices hooked up upstairs in one room uh, but primarily we've just kind of moved away from it because they're not really great for anything other than timers or, or what's the weather type scenario so uh, there, there is that. The other big news out this week is actually on the Apple camp and what they are going to be doing with their processors. And this isn't a big surprise, but this is going to be a big step for them and a big loss probably for Intel here is that Apple is going to go all in on their ARM series processors, which tend to do quite well in their mobile devices. The A series chips, which Apple designs and fab, well, I don't think they fabricate. I believe they outsource the fabrication, the bulk scaling fabrication, but they definitely do design them. Um, 
it is they they work out well and they are by widely widely agreed i think i don't know that might be that might be overselling it too much much better than snapdragon chips from qualcomm and so what apple is going to do is they're scaling this up putting more cores in obviously using the arm architecture and they're going to start putting it into their laptops and desktops and all that good stuff my gut tells me what apple is going to do is they're going to have a differentiation in their product line they're going to have the pro series which they already have right the macbook pro the imac pro and then the mac pro obviously it wouldn't surprise me to see that those are still going to run intel's high-end i7 i9 chipsets and and similar configurations and they're more consumer-ish lines like the air and just the base macbook or whatever you want to call them are going to just start running their arm chips that seems to be like an easy differentiator as long as apple can make all their apps that everybody is using on those types of devices work well and smooth and seamlessly uh, it could be a good move for apple now obviously microsoft is doing this as well but their sq1 chip let's not this is not like a Microsoft designed chip, although they will say that it is not nearly to the same level that Apple is designing chips. It's a tweaked Qualcomm chip, uh, more than likely just overclocked a little bit. And there's a few other minor changes, but Microsoft is already going down this route. Although I don't know how well the Surface Pro X as an individual product has been selling. I personally quite like it. I was actually using it last night while watching the NFL draft. Um, I don't see it being as wide scale as what Apple is going to be doing. But ARM is definitely going to be playing a part of the chipset future for or for laptops on both Microsoft and Apple. And it's going to give Intel and AMD a good run. And it's just going to mean better and more options for the end user, which is a good thing. Also, if you're looking at buying a router, don't. Uh, the, at least here in the U.S., the 6 gigahertz bandwidth or, or wavelength uh, has been opened up according to the FCC, I think it officially goes into effect later this year to allow Wi-Fi to operate on that. Now, if you're not quite sure what that means, right now you have 2.4 gigahertz and you also have uh, 5 gigahertz in your home network. These have been a around for a long time, I think 20 or 30 years. That's the only bandwidth you've been able to have. And the FCC is opening up to 6 gigahertz. What that basically means is you're going to be able to get more bandwidth and you're going to have better connectivity with your devices. Now, why shouldn't you buy a router today? Because you've heard of things like Wi-Fi 6. Well, I believe the new standard is going to be called Wi-Fi 6E that will take advantage of that 6 gigahertz uh, bandwidth. And so you're going to want to wait because if you buy a Wi-Fi 6 device now, it's not going to take advantage of that frequency. And so you're better off waiting. I bet you're going to be waiting probably definitely later half of this year, but probably about a year. So unless you're like really dying uh, for better connectivity, it might be just worth waiting. Or on the other side, if like, you know, three, 400 bucks for a new router isn't a big deal to you, then go buy one today. But I am personally waiting until that uh, frequency is included on all the routers, kind of a standard and a default. And then I will go upgrade my own stuff. On to the gaming news. There's a little bit of gaming news this week. Uh, Warner Brothers, Xbox Game Studios, and a couple others are pulling their stuff from NVIDIA's uh, GeForce gaming service while Ubisoft is going all in. This is just sort of a licensing and fun thing. Um, I, mixed feelings about it, but I will say that I have heard multiple times that one of the issues that Microsoft has had with xCloud is licensing, not necessarily new games, but older titles, right? Remember Microsoft licensed the game uh, to work on, let's just say the Xbox console or whatever. They didn't license it for cloud streaming. And so that is what uh, Nvidia is facing here, likely with GeForce is all these games were not licensed to be streamed across their stuff. And so companies are clawing back and saying, hey, look, you got to pay up or otherwise uh, we're not going to let you stream this because we're going to, you know, licensing and all that good stuff. So just keep aware that while Nvidia's GeForce now looks really good, the problem is, is they're running into content and licensing restrictions and obviously microsoft isn't super happy that their products are going on another cloud service without them making some money and they honestly might just keep them all on xcloud so we will see so here's an interesting thought microsoft launched microsoft 365 this week 365 typically means all encompassing 
but it doesn't include gaming. I would be curious to see if Microsoft is ever going to launch a Microsoft 365 that actually includes Game Pass Ultimate. It would seem to make sense. One subscription, Microsoft is pitching Microsoft 365, but it doesn't include all of Microsoft's subscription consumer-based services like Game Pass Ultimate or Xbox Live or, or whatever. So I'm hoping that Microsoft will eventually include this so that it's just one subscription from Microsoft that includes everything. The question will be uh, at this point is how would they roll those together? Because somebody like myself who has like two and a half years left of Game Pass, how am I going to roll that subscription into Microsoft 365 if they end up doing that? But right now, Microsoft has a slightly confusing message that people will come and send it for Microsoft 365 because I don't think that they've done a good job in saying, hey, this is productivity only because it says Microsoft, it's the, it's the corporate brand, 365 means all-encompassing, but it doesn't include their gaming stuff. So I'm hoping and optimistic that we will eventually see that stuff included. And also on the Xbox side, the new dashboard update has started to roll out, which includes a new guide experience, which just trying to clean things up, makes it slightly more streamlined. So let's jump into the questions of the week. Always my favorite part. I know I say that all the time, but it still continues to be. All right, here we go. Mad Thinus says, on Lockhart, do you think that it will replace the Xbox One in the market? We can all agree that the game, uh, the games are much better and performance goes on the Xbox One X, especially when you run at 1080p. So it will be a good update for to go from Xbox One S. Uh, the stronger CPU will finally see the current generation games run at 1080p as opposed to 720p, 900p. So I don't think you're too far off here, but I don't think... I don't think that the Xbox One X is going to replace the entry level everything else. I think the Lockhart is going to be the entry level and then um, Anaconda or the Series X will be the high end. The reason why I don't think that they're going to keep the Xbox One X around is because it uses that older architecture, which means Microsoft still has to continue to pay to create those parts, which means that there's more overhead and they're going to sell more than likely at a lower volume over the lifespan of the product. I think for Microsoft's sake, it makes more sense to just get Lockhart out there, even though like technically it's going to have slightly lower performance, even though it's going to be better optimized and have a better GPU. I think it makes more sense to get that product out there, get the, get the efficiencies of scale using the same chipsets and the same dies and all that good stuff while they, they do have less cores and the GPU is lower clocked. Um, I think it makes more sense to have Lockhart just be the entry level and then Anaconda be the top end and just kind of remove the Jaguar infrastructure uh, from the Microsoft system and say, hey, look, that was last generation. We're just we're just moving away. I think that is the play that they're going to go. But I think I, you're, you're not wrong, though, because if you have an Xbox One S now and you buy an Xbox One X, uh, I don't know, like in a, six months from now, you're still going to get a pretty significantly improved gaming experience. But for my money at that time, then I would just go for a Lockhart system because I, I believe Lockhart is going to be more future proof, if that makes sense, than... Um, the Xbox One X, personally. Triple Plate says, what do you think if Roger Goodell plays on his Kinect? Yeah, so if you watch the NFL draft last night, which was interesting because it was from everybody's home, right? All the coaches were at home, all the, everybody was social distancing. But what was interesting is in Roger Goodell, who was the NFL commissioner, he had a bunch of just random stuff around. There was an, a Kinect from the Xbox One, the original Kinect. And so he's asking, what do I think Roger plays on it? I don't think he plays anything. I just think he counts his money from the Microsoft deal. And there was a surface in the background that initially was laying flat and then they propped it up to probably give some more prominence to it. And obviously you could see that Connect saying that he has an Xbox in the house. Although I suspect that he doesn't play anything because you're Roger Goodell. If you have that kind of money, I don't think you're using an OG Xbox. I think you would probably be upgrading to the Xbox One X uh, if he was truly playing that. So anyways, it's a fun little thought though. HRLNGRV says, since you posted 
the article on Stardex Curtain this week. Is there any good reason Microsoft doesn't bundle a start menu edit editor um, with Windows 10 so that we could edit the uh, WinX menu or remove the .lnk files or WinX folders or the local data and all that good stuff? So... Yeah, I, I, there's not a good reason. I think it just comes down to what's the benefit of Microsoft, including this stuff. I think our best bet at getting that stuff sort of built in is going to be through uh, Microsoft Power Toys. Microsoft isn't investing heavily into updating um, end user features of Windows 10. We haven't seen a major one roll out in a while, mostly because they all flop. Uh, Windows Timeline, while it's a neat feature, it's not really exactly widely embraced across the world. My people didn't exactly do well. Microsoft's uh, consumer services, such as Groove Music, didn't do well. And so for them to invest in this stuff, there's very little ROI. So they're just nice to have rather than revenue generating or business sustaining functionality in the OS. So we got to look to third parties such as Stardock and other companies. So what he's referring to is Stardock has a new uh, application out in beta called Curtains that allows you to apply themes to Windows 10 and customize it, make it your own. I actually attempted to do like a whole like series or like a video on like five cool apps that I've been using to customize Windows 10 just to make it a little bit more mine. And Curtains is definitely one of those. And so why Microsoft doesn't include it, I just don't think there's a business case for it. Hitachi says, I'm wondering if you've heard anything about Microsoft continuing or expanding their partnership with AMD on future Surface hardware. The answer is yes. Uh, I believe we're going to see some more AMD hardware. I am really hoping that they replace the Surface, uh, Surface Book, the Surface Laptop 3 with an AMD version of the, with their, their 4000 series chips that were just announced because they are so much better than I'm looking at mine. It's right. It's right here. Um, so much better than what they shipped last year. I'm actually really, really disappointed now in this 15 inch because of, uh, I'll do a video on it later. Uh, but yes, I believe Mike, I don't believe Microsoft is done with AMD partnership for service hardware. Let me just put it that way. I believe we're going to see more products uh, potentially later this year with the massive caveat of everything is changing right now for obvious reasons uh, out in the world. Uh, Kadupa says, Brad, I have three questions for you and it's one too many. No, it is not. Uh, how come Zoom became such a craze when Skype, Google, Duo, and other services already existed? What's Microsoft even doing? So one of the reasons why it became so popular is that they made it so incredibly easy to get into and out of meetings. They basically put their head out on the line because they were using some less than authentic tactics, if you will, to basically turn your device into a little Zoom server and allowing you to just click a link and then the meeting would just pop up and it was so easy, it was fun, it was agile, it was completely unsecure and it was just bypassing some core security features of the OS. But you know what, it worked. They basically said, hey, look, we're going to go down this route. We're going to make our product super easy to use. And then everyone is going to fall in love with it. And then we'll make it secure, which is exactly what happened. They said they now have 300 million, I believe, daily active users. They just really Zoom 5.0 with better encryption and a little bit more uh, ease or a little bit better um, smartly applied security and installation methods, if you will. And so it doesn't really matter at this point anymore. Zoom has taken the conversation. It's become the noun. It's become the zooming. It's become the verb. It's become the everything for video conferencing. And Skype just sits there and is on the back burner of Microsoft 365, not getting a new icon. So there you go. Uh, next question is, uh, with Microsoft, uh, with most of Microsoft working from home, is missing a golden opportunity or with m most... With most of Microsoft working from home, is Microsoft missing a golden opportunity? Our firm is using Chrome desktop extension to access our server and work computers. Microsoft has remote access 
and Microsoft could have done something similar and could have added it into Teams. It's just me or Microsoft keep missing the trains. Okay, so second question here is remote access built into Teams. So there's gotta be a limitation of where Teams does and does not end. And so I understand what you're talking about here, being able to effectively remote desktop into another product from within inside of Teams. It very well could happen, but I think Microsoft is pitching Teams more as a productivity app rather than like an IT service and management portal. And so that is why I don't think that they are doing that. And then he says, uh, with rumors of Apple going with ARM for their Mac lines, will they be able to adapt Mac OS to ARM better than Microsoft? I think they will. Uh, will developers move to ARM on Mac faster than Windows? If that happens, uh, what will be the future for Windows? Okay, so his question relates to Mac and Apple going over to ARM, is it gonna be a smoother transition than Microsoft? I absolutely think it is, primarily because Apple already has hundreds of thousands, if not millions of developers already building for the iPhone, which is running on an ARM series chip, which is already being built by Apple, which is already built into uh, Xcode. And they already make it very easy to compile apps for Mac OS or iOS. They really have done a good job. And so I don't think this transition is gonna be as rough also because there's a much limited uh, number of chipsets that they're gonna have to target. Remember, Apple is locked hardware, locked software, locked ecosystem. That has some major benefits, unlike Microsoft, which is open, effectively open hardware and open software that can run on anything and then millions of different uh, iterations. So I think Apple will have a much, much easier time doing this. They've already done it once, although that was a long time ago with their PowerPC uh, over to Intel. And so uh, I think Apple is going to be much better and much, it's gonna be a much smoother process, I realistically think for Apple, so. Uh, GT, oh, he's not going to find this. He says, where do you post your answers? Uh, well, I post them here on the podcast. I should reply to that. Mr. PKI says, I will try to be more productive this week and I ask a productivity tools question. Now that so many people are working from home, what are some of the best or new technologies that will help people shifting to this new uh, culture or lack of office environments with whiteboards and meeting rooms? So interesting question. Um, it's, it's really dependent on how you interact personally. My biggest piece of advice for people moving to working from home is establish a cadence of how you're going to work. Like for myself personally, between eight and nine is triage time. That's email, that's messaging, uh, that's issues with the site or posts or articles or questions from my writers. Uh, that is my triage time, but it's important for you to establish a cadence. Also, it's very important for you to establish a work environment. The desk is a place to work. The couch, the bed are not. So make sure you have a dedicated work area, but for us personally, uh, our company, I'm meaning, um, we've all been remote for many, many years at this point. So this isn't a big transition for us, but my, I understand for like a sizable portion of the global audience, working from home now is very much a new thing. On the other side of the door of this podcast studio are my wife and daughter. My wife is usually not working from home, uh, but she now has a dedicated work area in the finished basement. And so that is, that is a good step to helping you just kind of stay sane because let's be honest here, being cooped up in home um, isn't really all that fun. It was fun for like a week and then now here we all are. All right, Robin is asking about KB41335 and KB9951. There are a lot of issues or being things reported out there about having issues related to installing these patches and they have gone ahead and paused updates. This is one of the things you gotta be careful because there's a billion Windows 10 users and there's probably even more than that right now with everybody going on, uh, all the stuff going on. 
That being said, if 1% of those users are impacted, that is a huge number of users. So it's really hard to give just blanket advice, but you've done the right thing by pausing updates. You should let everybody know if on your network, if they are potentially going to experience this, but I'd also defer to your IT admin and let them know about the issues. Make sure that they are aware. Uh, Ezab did respond and says it looks like 9951 is the update that is causing issues. So you may want to hold off on that if you have not already installed it. But it's hard to give just blanket advice other than just delay it a little bit um, because unless there's a zero day that is actively being exploited on your particular hardware set, you could be okay delaying seven days. But again, it's without knowing the full layout of the land, it's always hard to say, hey, you shouldn't install this specific uh, update unless we get some like really serious issues across the board. Uh, oh, geez. Saltzlehaien? Yeah. Uh, two questions about the alleged alleged Xbox Lockhart console. I've been hearing rumbles that the Xbox, that the Lockhart holding back next gen gain development because of its lower end GPU and some comparing to the Xbox One X's GPU, though both use different architectures, RDNA 2 being an obvious one. Okay, so there are, there are there is a legitimate concern that if Microsoft releases two Xbox next gen consoles and one has a lower power GPU and one has a higher power GPU, that this could create some friction about developers of which to target. Now, because Microsoft is only releasing two consoles, right, with a, a fixed determination point of um, GPU performance and CPU performance, it should be a lot easier for developers. Now, why would I say that? Well, first off, we already have this issue. It, everyone, I hope everyone realizes that this scenario that I just described of a, a Xbox Series S and Series X exists today. One uh, S and one X. That's the same problem. Developers have been dealing with this forever, especially on the PC side where somebody might have an uh, GTX 2060 and somebody else has a 2080 Ti. This is not an issue. And I primarily think that the biggest difference between these two platforms, at least from my understanding, is going to be the resolution that is being targeted and potentially frame rate. But it's not a totally different architecture. That is key. It's still the same uh, nav based on AMD's products, Zen 2, Navi. It's still based on that still RDNA too. It's not like you have different architectures. It's the same architecture. Just what scale are you running at? And so I don't think that this is going to be a big issue for uh, developers, especially in modern game development. I mean, PC is rife with this issue or rift, rife, whatever it is uh, with this problem. And so this is not unique. Microsoft is very smart about how they're approaching this stuff. They've got some really smart people about how they can optimize this for a console generation. And I don't think that it should realistically be a big concern. Uh, and then he says, to keep its price point, do you think uh, other concessions have been made for the Lockhart besides its GPU, SSD, and CPU? Well, you just named some really, really big ones there. A, a lower performance GPU, a lower performance CPU, and a lower performance um, SSD would all be pretty big reductions in pricing. We don't quite know the full story yet of Lockhart, but... It has to be a big enough price difference that it makes a lot of sense. For example, imagine the Series X. Let's I'm, I'm making these numbers up. Is four ninety nine? Okay, that's a that's a big price. But then you look at something like a GTX twenty seventy Super, which is like five hundred bucks. So it's on a PC scale, it's not a lot of money. But for a console, five hundred bucks is a lot of money. Now, what does that mean for Lockhart? Well, if they cut all that stuff out and it only knocks fifty dollars off the price point, does that really make sense? Like, why would you buy a Lockhart at 
I don't know, $50 less for $49 instead of $499. Like, are people, I know people are price sensitive. I don't want to underscore that because I know there's a ton of research that says people will always buy the cheaper option. But when it comes to consoles, is $50 really worth having two consoles out there? I would expect it to be at least $100 less would be where it should start at. And so then you have obviously a $100 price difference and that should make things a little bit easier to get into. What else are they cutting? We don't quite know yet, but I can't imagine the controller is going to be different. Obviously, the physical size of the box might be a little bit smaller, um, although they could potentially use the exact same size box if you think about it, because then they only have to produce one box. That just makes it a little bit easier and a little bit less, slightly less expensive, although injected plastic molding is not exactly known for uh, being overly uh, expensive. And then Cool Francis 19 says, uh, is May 5th the date you heard for the Xbox May event, Brad? YouTubers seem to be hinting at it. Also, Jez from uh, Windows, said, Windows Central said, uh, first week of May. If so, when can we expect that announcement? So there's a couple things happening in May. And I, I, it's hard to tell if May 5th is the exact date because I thought that I had heard too that around that time is when the Surface earbuds are going to be happening. So Microsoft has a lot going on in May. And I don't think this is intentional, but it makes it hard to understand what is related to what. I, I believe Microsoft is going to be launching their Surface hardware, their next generation, the Surface Book 3 and the uh, Surface Duo, Surface Duo, uh, Surface Go 2, I believe May 12th. So I've got all that sort of noise floating around. And then we know that there's an Xbox event, at least one, if not plural, uh, on the planning agenda at this time. And so the wires are getting crossed. I can't explicitly say that May 5th, but I keep, I have heard that May is a targeted uh, month for a, for announcements related to their next gen plan. So we will, we'll keep hearing about that. And then Herectic says, uh, you often joke about the PS5 being 9.2 teraflops. Are these just jokes or have you heard otherwise about the base specs being 9.2 teraflops? So there was some math done and it was, the base of the joke started out from a leak that was, I believe, on GitHub at one point that says, hey, uh, the base the base clock speeds are going to be, or the base output's going to be 9.2 teraflops, and then a boost clock will allow it to jump up to 10.3. We don't quite know the base clock performance, and I don't know if Sony is going to actually share that because they've already said 10.3. That is what they want. That is what they want people to know that in the absolute best case scenario with all the fans running and, and overclocked and everything else at a non-sustainable uh, clock speed, you can get 10.3. That is possible. That is absolutely something a developer could target, but it's not going to be sustainable. And so what we don't know is the 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 uh, boost speed percentage, which we will probably more than likely find out. Digital Foundry is good at working this math backwards, but eventually we'll be able to figure out, okay, it's doing a 6% overclock, so then you take away 6% or whatever. I'm making that number up. Uh, but the 9.2 was just floated around there and it seemed to be accurate, but no, I don't have explicit information from Sony. It's more of just a meme joke at this time. So there you go, guys. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.